Welcome to the Show Me The Money podcast, unlocking property finance. Join us on an exciting journey into the world of property finance, where we uncover secrets, strategies, and opportunities that can turn your property dreams into a lucrative reality. Welcome to Show Me The Money, unlocking property finance. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Show Me The Money, unlocking property finance. And for our new listeners, um, hosted by myself, Ro Sharma. I'm a London-based property investor and developer. I work with site and landowners on joint ventures, and I work with investors to give them solid returns on their investments. And obviously, co-hosted by Mark Champ. Hi, everybody. Um, if you don't know, I'm a property finance broker. Also do a little bit of trading business finance as well. Uh, based in Essex, cover the whole of the UK. And... Um, yeah, looking to really help people understand property finance and ensure that they're making sound investments in uh, the property world. So uh, keen, to, keen to talk to people. So today we decided we'd give our listeners a, a, a market update. The last time we did one of those was in early December. And I think there's probably been a few changes. Obviously, we've all been watching interest rates, Bank of England based rates, uh, and some of the announcements made by lenders. But Mark, this is very much your domain. So since we last caught up, what's been what's been happening in the world of property finance? Well, it's got busy. Um, I think I said in December that September, October, November were quiet months, very quiet. Um, the, the increases in the base rate had really hit the market and there was a, there was a lull in um, activity. December picked up a bit, but January has been on fire there's so many people looking for property investments new people trying to get into the market people coming back into the market um and there's because because the house prices have have not really gone up too much but the availability of capital um has it's become a market where it's not a buyer's market but there are becoming a lot more opportunities out there and that is everything from um, people buying land to converting terrace housing to HMOs, commercial conversions, all the strategies um, we're seeing. And there's 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 been a a multiple uh, a multitude of of different applications coming our way that that we're we're going through. And I think it's 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 been a a really interesting time because as the rates with lenders have come down. Obviously, base rate has stayed the same, but the rates with lenders have come down and inflation has come down from, you know, the peak uh, a few months back. Um, but I think the interesting question that needs to be posed is what is actually causing inflation and what can um, curtail inflation? Because people for, for years have, believe that interest rates are the, the main way that you can control what inflation does. But now we're seeing, I think, more macroeconomics changing inflation than interest rates themselves. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Ray. Yeah, I mean, when we look at the reaction of Bank of England, typically raising interest rates has been there as a tool really to sort of curtail demand. But I think actually a lot of our inflation has been sort of supply 
um, supply-led inflation rather than demand-pulled um, inflation. So it's not always, you know, not always the only or the right way to to, to tackle with it um, or to tackle the, the situation. However, you know, as as you said, all the other macro factors, wage growth, um, cost of services, um, uh, you know, you look at GDP. There's there's so many other factors and. Yeah, there's a lot of other things happening in the world, but I guess, you know, from my viewpoint, a lot of that instability or uncertainty was priced in a long time ago. You know, if we wind back the clock, sort of 12, 18 months, really kind of kicked off with Ukraine, I guess. But there's far less uncertainty on the horizon now, or certainly in the view of investors, and that's obviously been reflected in swap rates, I guess, which we've seen on a nice steady downward trajectory since December, which has been guiding some of those um, lenders' rates. So, what, what have you been seeing with with borrowing rates? Uh, let's start with term mortgages first, because there's definitely been some some noise about some of the changes we've seen there. Yeah, so we've seen we've seen quite a lot of um, rates drop, um, and that, most lenders have dropped their rates from say, you know, high fives to high fours. Now um, okay. you're getting some just creeping into the four. 0.9% on your five-year fixes with a either a two or a three-year arrangement fee. Um, and HMOs have, have come down. And there's more lenders competing at that space now, where there were only a couple, well, a few more than a couple um, a few months ago, lenders who weren't lending at all come back in. And, and other lenders, um, where, where there's a big gap is on the commercial front, so right. commercial property. And semi-commercial, there's less lenders who will lend in that space. Uh, and it's always been a bit of an issue trying to find the lenders there. Uh, but Shawbrook have reduced their um, minimum borrowing for commercial and uh, Interbay have as well. Uh, because if you think, if you go back two years, Shawbrook and Interbay were the two main lenders you would go to for commercial. Um, and they increased their, their minimum borrowing on commercial quite dramatically. Uh, and now it's come back down. It gives the, the customer a bit more choice. And there are more exits if people are doing commercial conversions. So, um, so yeah, rates across the board have really come down. Uh, Buy-to-let, HMOs. Bridging has stayed similar. That's not We've not really seen bridging come down too much. Maybe very, very small levels, but nothing dramatic. And I think... It's not really been the same level of uh, reductions that we've seen for the longer term mortgages. What about the what about leverage then? Because obviously you've got rate, rates is one part of it, but then the amount you can actually borrow in terms of loan to cost or loan to GDP. Yeah, leverage has stayed the same really. We've got a couple of lenders who have been a bit punchy. Uh, Castle Trust up there, um, they they've got some new products on the market which have been interesting. Uh, but yeah, leverage, I don't think it's changed too much. It's still where it is because whatever the market is still loan to value and the value moves up and down. So yeah. you, you, you don't really need to move it. And that was that's one of the things that I always wonder when when there are issues in the market, you see some lenders go, oh, we're cutting our loan to value. But why are you cutting your loan to value? Because the value is going down. You're going to be lending yeah. less anyway. So yeah. I, I, I've never understood that and I'm happy to be. Uh, corrected and uh, given a lesson on that, but I, I just don't understand it. And that, yeah. uh, we we had a deal. Just trying to think back now, 
we ha we had a transaction and there was a an issue with the property and the lender said to us right we're going to cut the loan to value and i'm like why are you cutting the loan to value it was it was comments by the valuer about um, demand for the property. I'm like, but the value is already factored in that there's low yeah. demand for the property. So why are you cutting the the um, uh, the loan to value? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. But they do it. <laughs> it's pointless. Hopefully we've got a few lenders uh, listening to this who, who might want to um, do something about it. Because conversely, you know, they're worse a number of lenders that were offering like 80 80 percent even more than 80 percent you know going back a little bit further on on buy select uh, mortgages but you know also happened to be the lenders that tends to be a bit more uh cautious with valuation instructions and valuations anyway so even if you thought you were getting 80 percent it's probably going to be on a lower value than you might get yeah. with a lender who's going to lend 75 percent um on a higher value so um and so, also, i'm not saying it happens but Sometimes it's alleged that lenders speak to the valuers and have chats with them about the value and where that value should go. Um, I don't think it's any of the lenders that I use, uh, but yeah, they they don't want the value to be too high because there's um, that's obviously more risk for them. But yeah. I think at the end of the day, the valuers have PI cover and they have um, their qualifications that they have to. Uh, make sure you know they're doing things in the right way so um everybody does need to be cautious when it comes to actually valuing properties but the loan to value covenants are in there for a reason um yeah and i wish they weren't cut when there's no need to cut them so which, which um which lenders have you seen um sort of the biggest changes with sort of starting with HMOs, for example, HMOs and um, the typical sort of HMO or buy select lenders. Yeah, so LendInvest have cut their rates a lot on HMOs. They've they've done well. Um, the one that I personally like is Lambay because they're offering automated valuations, and these okay. automated valuations are are great for a customer. We've got twenty applications going through with them at the moment. And though those of those 20, I think 18 have been done on automated valuation. So that means you put your application in, the valuation is done within that application, the credit checks are done within that application, and then it goes straight to offer. And you provide if you've done your homework with the customer, you provide all the information up front to the lender, and it goes into legal. So you can be in legals very, very quickly. Interesting. Uh, so I guess so I yeah, cool. I, I guess that only probably only work for the AVMs. Same really going to work for bricks and mortar valuations then for, um, you know, sort of small yeah. HMOs. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a number of criteria. Um, but if you've got a portfolio, it, it works great. You can save yourself a lot of money as well because yeah, AVMs don't cost anything. So, um, they they do them. Shawbrook actually do AVMs as well, uh, okay. but their rates aren't quite as competitive as Lambay, Lendinvest, Fleet, Paragon people like that at the moment um who else is doing um a lot at the moment on the bridging front funded 365 um they're competitive uh castle trust i mentioned earlier on the if you're looking for something a little bit further up the the loan to cost um criteria uh avamora strong uh glenn hawker in the market they're keen to do some stuff 
Um, there, there's there's a number of lenders out there. Um, and, but we we've been working with our development finance tool, and I think you you've used it now, haven't you, right? Uh, yes, I have indeed. Yeah. We've so got a deal, deal to discuss at some point. Yeah. So on that development finance tool, we can get terms from up to eighty five lenders on development finance, bridging finance, land, um, with or without permission. Uh, what else can be done? Refer bridges commercial properties and HMOs. So it really does cover a lot. And customers can just go onto our website and do their own, um, input their own details and it, it comes up with all the terms. And it's so such a useful tool. I would recommend any person who's thinking about investing in property to use it because it's free of charge to use. Yeah. Uh, give you a great idea of what you can and can't borrow. Very good, very good. I've got one more question for you. Um, we've talked previously about product fees as well. Have you seen any changes in those? Obviously, we're seeing rates coming down, but what about those those product fees as well? Because there were some really, really high fees. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same at the moment. You can have a, a lower rate and a higher fee um, and vice versa. So it, it's not changed. The rates come down. But the fees stay the same because it, it just offsets itself. So it's uh, yeah, there's been no real change in the fees. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, where do you see the um, the best opportunities right now in terms of um, the sorts of investment types or opportunities and, and the sort of the match with the lending products that are out there as well? I would say the with the new PD rights, hopefully that are going to come in the conversion of houses into two flats. I think that's what some people should be looking out for. Um, it's, yeah, it could be a game changer. There'll be a lot of houses being turned into two flats. It just makes complete sense to do it. Um, there's a lack of housing out there. Why, why wouldn't you do it? Uh, and flats can be sold, well, in some areas can be sold a lot easier than, than a house. Yeah, interesting, yeah. Let's see what happens. And, and also, the... on that point, they don't require a lot of refurb. When you're changing a house into two flats, you've got a lot less work than changing a house into an HMO. So it may be slightly less profit and maybe slightly less yield, but it's not going to be too far off and it's a lot less work. Yeah, potentially. I guess it depends on how many en-suites and the rest of it you're used to putting in because when you're converting houses to flats, you've just got the building regulations in terms of the like, sound soundproofing uh and fire separation mm. they can be a little bit more involved sometimes but um generally speaking shouldn't be too shouldn't be too tricky but let's see yeah. what that looks like um i've got one, one more one more question for you um we ah, slip my mind Come i've got one me. for you are you, yeah, are you for booking your ticket to go to mipin this year oh that's a that's a very good question so Actually, I was talking to um, somebody just just before the, the, this, this recording. Um, it was fantastic. Obviously, we met out in Nippon last year. It's a great way to meet a lot of people in a very concentrated, you know, period of time. Um, yeah, I'd love to love to get out there. I think probably for a shorter uh, duration this time. Mm -hmm. I've not booked anything yet, but um, yeah, I think for anyone who's not been out to Nippon before, uh, well, well worth it. Obviously, you don't need to have a ticket to to enter the actual exhibition itself but just being there as part of the uh, the fringe event 
is um is is really really good um yeah some really quality relationships built there and obviously myself and mark met met out there as well last year yes yeah i'll be going monday to saturday this year so gone early flight monday morning i fly back saturday afternoon so but it's really good value actually 80, 80 pounds on the flights so very good yeah so uh, and accommodation accommodation sorted yeah same places every year so um so yeah that's all sorted for us brilliant brilliant well if anybody's thinking of going out there please do like drop us a line then um you know either myself or mark and um you know if i'm out there obviously it'd be, be great great to meet up um I did have one last question. Um, okay. Something we're seeing a lot of as well is um, we've discussed this briefly before, but uh, working with housing associations and supported living, it's um, something a lot of people are getting into. Um, some some good, good players out there, some perhaps not not so good. But um, if you're in the space, what does what does the lending market look like for that? If you're doing a conversion, so that you're going to be putting people in um, assisted living, whatever it may be make sure you've got your exit sorted out because most lenders don't allow it. It's, you know, there are a couple out there, but most lenders won't allow it, especially especially if the um, the tenant is classed as vulnerable as well. Uh, and there's a lot of different um, groups that can be classed as vulnerable. So uh, it's hard to get a loan, a long-term loan. So if you're doing a, a refurb and you're trying to, get it for housing association, whatever it may be, it does cut down the number of options. And if you're thinking about doing it, you're a first time in, say you're a first time investor, you're turning a house into a eight bed HMO. Uh, you've got a credit default in the background and there's various other question marks. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> Start with something simple. It's, it's just not a, a good place to be when you've, you've, done your refurb and then you realize you can't refinance or you have to refinance with one of the lenders who is going to charge you basically bridging rates for for the long term uh you erode all your profit and yeah just make sure you've got an exit before you start when you when you're looking at those types of deals i would say yeah okay so lots of lots of homework people do there brilliant yes. well i think we've um we've slightly shorter episode today um but i think if once again if anyone's got any questions they want us to cover any particular topics in future episodes then uh, our contact details are in the show notes but um that's that, that's it for me anything any final remarks from yourself mark no all, all good from me i hope to see everybody soon um look out for us on social media facebook uh instagram don't really do twitter or x whatever it's called um but yeah please get in touch thank you very much brilliant thanks very much everyone for listening and See you again soon. That concludes another episode of Show Me The Money podcast, Unlocking Property Finance. Connect with us on social media where we share additional tips, resources, and behind-the-scenes insights. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, and keep making those smart investment moves. This has been Show Me The Money, Unlocking Property Finance.